0: Welcome to the podcast of top executive coach, Tony Mayo. This podcast is a conversation with one of Tony's clients, management consultant, Ron Diamond. All right, what's the topic? So you're working on selling.
1: I'm selling, so I'm, uh, I'm, showing. I think I'm in the showing part of selling, you know, show and tell. I'm so, so I'm showing people uh, value. So you've got their attention. Capability. That's good. I've got their attention. I'm, uh, um, you know, trying to bring things back to what's in it for them. I really am trying to put myself in their shoes. That's, mm-hmm. And that's what I'm doing. You know, so I'm rehearsing. I'm preparing, um, you know, maybe a little bit more than I, than I should. So I, I prepare, Maybe I over-prepare is what I'm trying to say.
0: Yeah, I'm also skeptical of putting yourself in their shoes, because that's mm. you know, that's not possible. Yeah, There's a famous essay on theory of mind, which is what we know about other people's experience, by uh, Thomas Nagel, called What's It Like to Be a Bat? And the whole the point of the essay is, we don't know. There's yeah. no way to know. Yeah, uh, We think we know a bit better about what it's like to be another person, because they seem... They respond to the world the way we respond to the world, more or less. So we, we should be like them. Yeah. Um, but it really bit me once. I was selling sales training, irony, uh, and I was meeting with this fellow. He was in the exact business that I had been in for years and years. It was systems integration and high-level data processing consulting. Mm-hmm. And as he's talking to me about his concerns, I'm thinking, I know exactly what his concerns are. Uh-huh. I, th- I had this job. I know yeah. just what he needs. Yeah. And it, I never got the second appointment. And I really think it's because I stopped listening. As soon as I know. Uh, and one of my little pet puns is knowing is the end of learning. Yeah. Most people think the end or purpose of learning is to know. but On the other hand, once you know, you stop learning. That's interesting. <laughs> so knowing it was the end of learning on that sales call. Uh, and I forget the purpose. I just came to the conclusion.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that, that so being uh, uh, curious and being an inquiry and asking people, mm-hmm. is this so for you, based on your experience? So I've noticed that people in your position have these problems. Is this so for you? So that's sort of, of course. Once I get right. those down, then I'll put myself in in that in in sort of that frame of mind. I take it takes too much time to do this. It's too frustrating to do that. I can never get to the bottom of this. I can't make this change happen. So, but I think you might be right that that. The, the, there is a danger of then stopping the inquiry and stopping
0: finding out right because you want some bonding some similarity yeah. you know something else I use quite a bit is the old saw people buy from people they like mm-hmm. but like has multiple meanings mm. you know what well, what do you mean when you say you like what does, what does like mean for you Ron? what do you mean what
1: i I like in what context so what does it mean the meaning of the word like mm-hmm um, I have an affinity
0: for I have something right. in common with. right so those are the two versions actually those are different things right yeah if you have an affinity for the person that means you like them and you are like them means there's something oh, in oh, common I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. those are two distinct things yeah but we use the same word for them and I think it's because it sort of feels the same way oh. yep. when we have something in common with someone we tend to have more affinity for them mm. and we have more affinity for them we start noticing things in common or more uh, flexible to have things in common with them mm. so, so using that uh, in sales is, is, is useful uh, obviously use it, it's useful <laughs> mm. uh, but using those probes that you're talking about yeah. is, to, is to look for those areas of, of commonality but I think the danger that we're talking about here is not to use them as though you already know how they feel
1: or, or to manip- manipulate them like well, to, turn yeah. life, to, 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 to exacerbate the pain that they're having to remind them how much they need you I talked about that with some of my, I have a client that's trying to sell software and we were talking about how do you turn the knife and how do you, you know, reveal the pain Mm -hmm. and bring it to the front and then sell against that, Right. Uh, which to me can seem a bit uh, cheesy, a bit inauthentic. It's a cheese knife.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Some people talk about putting the thumb on the bruise. You didn't do the damage. Yeah. The bruise was there. Yeah. But like a doctor, you say, does it hurt here? Does it hurt there? Reminds me of this female comedian who said that she uh, dated an optometrist once, but it it didn't work out. All the time he's saying, is this better? Is that better? Do you like this? Do you like that? Is this better? Is that better? Uh, It's a true story. True story. It's one of those stories that deserves to be true. I was on a bus once, a rental car bus. I was doing some work in Florida and doing the routines every Sunday evening, arrive. So I got on the uh, shuttle one day. There's one other person on the bus, distinguished executive-looking guy. And I'm saying, this guy looks familiar. I can't place him. I'm not very good at placing faces. So I looked at his suitcase, and he had a luggage tag from Textron. Uh-huh. which is a good-sized conglomerate. It's one of the biggest companies in Rhode Island, where I'm from. Sure. So all right, now I know who he is, because I'd actually formed a local chapter of the University of Chicago Club, and I found out the president of Textron was an alumnus. And he sponsored the first meeting we had at his office oh, at, wow. at Textron, which is very cool. So I realized who it was. I said, hello. He said, hello. The guy driving the shuttle bus in Florida said, Hey! you guys from Rhode Island? <laughs> With that distinctive accent. And I said, uh, yes. And went back to the executive. <laughs> he said, where'd you go to school? I said, I went to LaSalle Academy. He said, oh, I went to La Salle. What year? <laughs> and I told him, he says, that's my class. Who are you? <laughs> he was from my high school class. What are the odds? So he just assumes that we're going to bond now because we went to the same... We didn't like each other in high school. But 20 years and a 1,000 miles away, we're supposed to like each other. Amazing. It wasn't I don't think it was raising my credentials with the president of the conglomerate that I knew the bus driver. <laughs> but that, those days, I didn't know the value of showing the common touch. Oh, uh, right. <laughs> How well you treat the waiter. <laughs> right. Wow. That's amazing. But that's why this... The sales guy walks in and says, oh, you fish. I see the marlin on the wall or yeah. I have kids, too. Yeah.
1: And what's that story about the salesman who has 10 minutes with the executive? Oh, you have a fish on the wall. You like to fish. He spends,
0: the, the executive spends 10
1: minutes talking about fishing and how he caught the fish. And he says, we're out of time. You know, Have a great day.
0: Oh, I, I heard a, a more, I guess, cynical version of that story. That's why I remember it. <laughs> salesman walks in, there's a eight foot marlin mounted on the wall and the salesman says, wow, you fish." And the purchase agent says, "No, I just put it up there to throw salesman off the scent." <laughs> <laughs> that is cynical. <laughs> Pretty cynical.
1: <laughs> oh, dear. I mean, I have worked with a bunch of sales folks. Some of them um, you know, very credible, uh, you know, a lot, you know, CPAs and MBAs that, you know, really understand the business problem. And others that um, are professional salespeople, and even in both camps, I'll find folks that are those, you know, glad handing, back slapping, let's go play golf, and they're all about that, you know, and they make a ton of money. So what's there? What is it about that where they're not doing what I think you ought to do to add value to a business in the on the P and L or the cash flow or the balance sheet, and what they do, you know, makes them a ton of money. Well, you know why?
0: No, we always, we said it a few minutes ago. People buy from people they like. That's it. it can't, but it can't be that easy. They're simple. Yeah, being likable goes a long, long way. So I hear. I've never <laughs> mastered it. <laughs> you should know. I thought you were the nice one. I am. Uh, I don't know. So, but you get into your head and use all these facts and knowledge it, it, instead of letting them like it. you. So maybe get out of get
1: out of my head, and uh, you know, enjoy the relationship and and just you know be related to somebody
0: yeah hmm. it's like zig ziglar's great line uh, nobody cares how much you know till they know how much you care oh wow yeah sincerity is the key to sales when you can fake that you get it made <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is true i have been told i haven't had a lot of feedback about my enthusiasm when i get into something yeah. that i really like and i'm enthusiastic about it so there is some selling about that in other words i i, I think of it more as enrolling I, I get people engaged in what i'm talking about i don't really think i'm selling at that point i think i'm you know persuading engaging and enrolling mm-hmm. them into an idea or or some value that's why i always think that's the ball that's the the the, the golden orb is that 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 you know the the return on investment or the two percent improvement in in year-over-year revenue growth whatever yeah. that thing
0: is. yeah i used to think that <laughs> <laughs> doesn't pay <laughs> well one of my blog posts i think it was my newsletter about a month ago is my first big breakthrough in sale selling Is when a coach helped me see that I was selling specifications to job descriptions. Mm. someone with this job description, a CFO, should want something that did this. Mm. And she said, no, people make the decision. People buy from people. Positions ponder and people buy. They have to get through the person. Mm. more and more, especially the brain research, uh, makes it pretty clear Damasio, uh, I think, is one person who's very much uh, popularizing this, this insight, it seems more and more clear that we make decisions very quickly, emotionally, and then we use our brain to rationalize it, to make it seem like a sensible thing to do. Right. And I found that's a very powerful sales approach, is to make the emotional bond And bring up the emotional concern, you know, putting a thumb on the bruise. And then give the person enough data so they can justify that decision. Wow. Either to themselves or to the rest of their organization. If you only do one, it doesn't work as well. The emotion can carry it all the way through. The data almost never. But the combination is very powerful. So then what's the key or the
1: trick or access to that initial emotional bond? It helps you really pretty.
0: Uh, so i hear again haven't been Check. able to do this myself we, we're, yeah, you know, you're we're golden on, on that we both got that name, <laughs> <you could> say. <laughs>
1: unless our pictures are on the webcast
0: but just in general being uh, attractive well put together uh well groomed well dressed th- those things do help a lot
1: so what about selling or engaging my first meetings with most uh con- prospects are online or on the phone so i don't have that uh issue so then what is it what is it about my what i say my words or my voice there you go
0: you know you're working on the telephone so what you've got is the quality of your voice whether it's warm and engaging yeah. uh, open you have a great laugh you know, get people laughing quickly if they're laughing yeah i mean, i i think i've told you my theory on laughing I, I came to me i was reading about an anthropologist who made a pretty strong case that laughter was the first communication in early hominids and it makes sense, I think, particularly when you realize, particularly in the business environment, most of the laughter is not response to anything funny. Hmm. It's just people are working together and they laugh. Uh, or when something goes wrong, you, you drop a sheaf of papers, people laugh. Yeah. You stub your toe, people laugh. There's a little stumble. Yeah. And there's something about, oh, something bad almost happened, but it didn't. Uh, we laugh. Uh. It's not humorous but it's a release and it's bonding like oh i've been in that situation too i've dropped stuff too there's an
1: empathy certainly when you're embarrassing yourself there's an empathy for for people right and the
0: laugh is saying it's okay yeah i've had been in the same situation yeah that's what the laugh means it's okay i've done the same thing fair
1: well, it's funny because I did a, a presentation in front of a room full of about fifty people, and the power went. I was in a, during a big storm here in the DC area, and the power in the building went off. And I'm using PowerPoint slides three times, so I made light of it, and you know, a little self-deprecating humor, and a little, and, you know, a little song and dance. Let me do. Let me give you the presentation in a puppet show form, and uh, <laughs> I got people up,
0: but I didn't get any sales or leads or referrals out of that. But they'd probably let you back in again. Yeah. Yeah, and they that, did invite you back. Yeah. yeah, that's value. That's, that's the foundation. Without that, you can't get the rest of it. But the idea is that when we're close to each other and we're interacting this way, there's power, there's danger, things could go wrong, people could be embarrassed. Yeah. The laughter is continually running. It's okay. It's yeah. safe here. Yeah. Yes, I'm close enough to grab you by the hair. I'm close enough to grab your, your belongings. But I won't. We're laughing. It's Okay. So laughter is a big message that we're okay. So if you can get people laughing early in the sales exchange, everybody feels okay. I also just noticed about
1: my expectations too, where where I put them about, you know, instant and immediate results. So it's also a journey too, right? I mean, some of these things can go, can can turn around pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And some of them are months for that. Maybe the justification period or the the putting the finger on the bruise
0: period. That could Mm -hmm. take time. Yeah. And you want to be someone that you want to spend that time with. Mm. That's why some of these naturals do so well. I know, it irritates me because I've never been a natural at sales. Not at all. I had to learn it. I have to keep my attention on it. I have to do the right things. But it it, it goes a long way. And something I noticed when I was selling software. The person who's most knowledgeable about the software was never, ever the top salesperson.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the the corollary is, or the opposite is, you know, I had a sales guy at a software company I used to work at who'd been there for three years come to me and say, "There's, there's five main packages. And he comes to me and says about one of them. What exactly does that do again? He, he just,
0: just didn't know. Yeah. Shocking. Yeah. <laughs> and you thought, this isn't right. Why is he making the money? Exactly. There's a lot of frustration. Yeah. IBM pioneered, I thought, was a terrific sales model, which is pairing a salesperson with at least one systems engineer. So you had a technical person. And those people got sales training and they were personable and so on. Yeah. But they had a salesperson whose whole focus, was number one on the personal relationships, yeah. but also the the dynamics of the organization. So if you're doing a complex sell to an organization, you have to pay a lot of attention to who's doing what, who's who, who can say no, who can move you to the next step, that kind of thing. Yeah, I was working on a sale at around Christmas time. And if you know from the software business, that's the end of the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. you want that stuff shipped on, on New Year's Eve. Yep. It was the 10th or 12th. I called my prospect, he said, well, Essentially, I had done such a good job upselling and making this a bigger purchase that the organization decided they had to have an executive-level steering committee. Uh-oh. Good news, bad news. And he wasn't mm-hmm. going to be able to, to close right away. So I to- went to my sales manager, told him the situation. Of course, he says what sales managers say. Find out who's on the steering committee. Uh-huh. Find out when they meet. Can you go up there and present? Went back to my cubicle. Got the fellow back on the phone. Start saying who's on the committee. When are they meeting? when. Are they- and I remember sort of projecting and seeing myself at my desk decorated with Christmas cards and the air of good cheer and goodwill towards men thinking, I don't want to be hammering this guy. I don't want really to yeah. like You said, I love that word manipulate. Get your hands on it like a tool and force it to do what you want it to do yeah. for your purposes. So I stopped and I said, excuse me, Phil, I hope you realize I'm doing this because you've told me you really need my product to do what you want to do in your job. How does this feel for you? He said, oh, I really appreciate it. I've never made a purchase this size of this company. You're helping me think through the process. And, I, you know, this is great. Keep coaching me on how to get this done. I wow. thought, okay, that I can do. Wow. I can help him get what he wants. Yeah. But when I was trying to get what my sales manager wanted, I was yeah. like, no, no, I'm not that kind of person. Yeah. So I started shifting, changing the game. Same words, but I'm sure there's a big difference in my tone of voice, my pacing, uh, how I form the questions. Uh, I was now helping him mm-hmm. to do something he really wanted to do. We both agreed it was important for the organization. Great. With that, you can be very intrusive, very specific, but just for my own purposes, I only go so far.
1: Mm. Very cool. And it's great to stop yourself and ask the question, so to, to really be curious and, and, and ask the question.
0: Yeah, I would say that's, I have said many times, the biggest shift in my day-to-day life since I got into coaching and in transformation and so on, is I'm no longer satisfied with my, my guess, my assumption of what's going on with the other person. Mm-hmm. I, I need to check in, uh, ask people questions. How does it feel? What are you thinking? What do you think we should do? That's my favorite close. Yeah. is well what do you think we should do now yeah people say well is there like a form i should fill out <laughs> of course the response to that is, well only if you're comfortable <laughs> take your time i love that from the sandler right? right before exactly. they
1: the, right before they inked the contract you know you take it away you know what i i have a feeling you know, any
0: resistance any question you, you bring it back up yeah i handed back a check for a quarter million dollars oh, what did you say <laughs> So I don't think you spelled my name right. <laughs> no, that's not what I said. This is when I was selling stock in an internet startup.com. The college roommate of my partner was from a wealthy family. He'd put some money in to get us going. We got up What uh, what they call it when you, those dot coms started doing business. There was a step and we were online. We had a working website. We could start to take customers. Oh. Now we needed money to really promote it and yeah. and scale up. So we were trying to raise some money, went back to the original investor, He and it was his job to bring his father in. because he was a little uncomfortable because he felt like, well, am I bringing my father's money in to bail out my own investment? A lot of conflicted feelings. Well, we arranged my partner and I to take this investor out to dinner. We'd had a lot of fighting over the price. Uh, there was one point, it was a dead of winter, uh, where uh, my partner and his friend, the investor, had a big blow up in the office over the price of the stock Uh where the investor yelled at him ran out of the uh, office my partner followed him out into the parking lot and they started swearing at each other so much i had to go out there and sort of pull them apart and send the investor home i came back inside and someone said well how did it go out there i said let me put it this way there's no ice on the driveway anymore (laughs) (laughs) it got really hot out there So what we did was we went out and I started selling smaller tranches of stock to other people to establish the price. Mm. So he agreed to make the investment of a quarter million dollars. We met at a restaurant and then he started hammering us on the price again at the restaurant. And I said, well, we have a few alternatives here. You could buy your share as we expected at this price, or I can go back to the 15 people who bought it at this price and tell them that the major investor thinks it's not worth that much and they should adjust their investment. It's like, oh, that doesn't sound like a very good plan. I said, well, I got their checks, what am I gonna do? I gotta give them back or something. And I'm not sure we'll get them again. So finally I said, okay, let's do it. And he, we hand him the agreement, he signs the, the memorandum, hands me the check. And I look at it, I said, no. Michael, like, I'm not comfortable with this. And I fold the manila binder and I hand it back to him. Oh. At which point, my partner goes to the men's room. <laughs> he, he can't stand it. He went to it. said, no, I, I don't want to take your money. If you're not, I, I want you to be able to walk in the office tomorrow morning and be comfortable with your dad that you made the best recommendation you could. And I just have the feeling that right now, you're not completely convinced. and I think we're just all better off if you don't make the investment. Wow. Wow. And then he did what these people always do. It's like Dave Sandler said, when you do this right, the hardest part is keeping a straight face because they always do the same thing. He started to convince me why it was a good investment. Yeah. And I'm skeptical. (laughs) Like, yeah, but what about this? No, no, I'm okay with that. Are you sure that's okay? Because you mentioned it before. I don't think you're okay with it. I don't know, I thought it through. It's really not a significant thing. So
1: so were you doing this as part of a a pre-planned process? In other words, were you manipulating
0: the outcome or were you genuinely wanting to give him an out? I did not want to get his check unless he was very clear that it was the best thing to do at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Because I knew he would drive us nuts. Yeah. Uh, Second
1: guessing, coming back and, and re, re, trying to renegotiate. Yeah, just
0: dropping in and swearing at us and yeah. uh, getting excited. He's Sicilian. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I didn't want to go through that. But no, And I was fairly confident that giving the check back i would get it again that i would leave with the check which i did yeah yeah wow (laughs) but handing back a quarter million dollar check is pretty pretty intense yeah (laughs) amazing but it it has to be okay with them and it's important that they actually say these things. This is another part of not just assuming or using your own wonderful experience and insight like to know what they're thinking. Yeah. As a great sales manager said it doesn't count unless the prospect says it.
1: Yeah, I say that a lot too and I completely agree with that.
0: We hope you enjoyed this podcast. More information is available at TonyMayo.com. We appreciate your comments, suggestions for future topics, and, most of all, stories of how you applied the coaching. Our email address is podcast at mayogenuine.com. This podcast is the property of top executive coach Tony Mayo, copyright 2011.